Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com. So sorry for the interruption, but we have a quick announcement. We've just put together a quick app to consolidate past and upcoming episodes of this show. To download the app, simply use your cell phone camera to scan the QR code on the screen. Then, simply add the app to your home screen for easy access and a better experience. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they launched their businesses. Before we get started with today's guest, please follow Rami's Instagram account so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you'd like to watch previous episodes, simply click on Rami's IGTV section or scan the QR code at the beginning of this video to download the app. If you'd like to get more information and analytics about each guest, simply visit the podcast website at takingyoutothetop.cf. Now, let me spend a moment to introduce today's guest before Rami gets started. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of ExecThread. ExecThread's vision is of a business world in which the best career opportunities are equally accessible. They believe senior-level roles should be accessible to all qualified professionals, not just a chosen few. ExecThread's curated marketplace of crowd-sourced career opportunities, which are contributed by more than 45,000 of the world's best professionals, connects the best and brightest from all backgrounds with the world's best job opportunities. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comments section below. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Without further ado, are you ready to take it to the top? A few moments later. Okay, Joe, welcome to Taking You to the Top. This is episode 18. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rami. My pleasure. So uh, to get us started, if you could uh, introduce yourself, uh, maybe take us back from the beginning, where you're from, where the journey started that led you to becoming the founder and CEO of your company. Yeah, so my name is Joe Meyer. I'm the founder and CEO of ExecThread. Um, the company is around five years old. Started it um, back when I was at Apple post-acquisition. Apple acquired my last company. Uh, that company's name was HopStop, and I was the CEO of HopStop. It was a mapping and navigation company and a top-ranked uh, top app. Um, you know, my roots and origins are I grew up in, in a suburb of New York City, uh, humble beginnings, uh, youngest of four sons, uh, you know, working class parents, um, and uh, have three older brothers and kind of saw, you know, how they started and, and migrated their careers early on and also saw my dad kind of get adversely impacted by downsizings and things like that when, you know, he was around my age now. And I think that had a big impact on Kind of why I chose to go down the more entrepreneurial path and the, the path that is, uh, I guess you call it the road less traveled. 
So could you tell us um, about Exec Thread? What does the company do? And possibly if you could give us a, an example of how you would help a customer. Yeah, so, um, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, Exec Thread looks like a job board, but it's not your quintessential job board, mainly because the vast majority of the job opportunities on Exec Thread are not only at a higher level, so they're all uh, exec level, VP through C-suite. Um, but the vast majority of the job opportunities and career opportunities on exec thread are not publicly posted. They're not on ZipRecruiter or Indeed or LinkedIn or even on the hiring company's website. It's what is called the hidden job market. These are confidential executive level roles and opportunities. Uh, we get access to them at scale because we've created a highly vetted and curated community of now over 50,000 of some of the best professionals in the world, i.e. the types of professionals that get approached by executive recruiters. And we crowdsource this knowledge from our members. So our members get approached for a job by an executive recruiter. That job is confidential. It's exec level. It's a great job. They're not interested in pursuing it at this time. So they share that information with us exec thread which acts as a clearinghouse and then we take that information we vet it we curate it we uh bring structure to it and put it into a uh a concise and uh repeatable user experience for our members to consume and it's very much a give to get model so if you contribute jobs that you're aware of but not interested in pursuing to exec thread then in return you're going to find out about opportunities that other exec thread members are contributing and sharing as well. To date, we've crowdsourced over 15,000 confidential searches um, and several hundred of our members have gotten their next career advancing job opportunity as a result of first discovering it on XThread and they would not have discovered it uh, if they hadn't. Um, you know, the world of executive search is a very walled gardened industry and we are slowly but surely tearing down those walls for the benefit of the candidate. And does, for example, if someone contributes a position to your, um, uh, I was gonna say job board, but not job board, to exec thread. Uh, platform. To your platform. Um, what do they get in return? I, I didn't catch that part. Yeah, so uh, they actually get awarded with points for that. Okay. So it's a give to get model. We award them with redeemable points, uh, every job they contribute, every person they refer to exec thread, uh, and when they do other things like take surveys or help evaluate talent, whenever they engage and contribute something to us, we award them with points. They can then redeem or trade in those points to uh, decrease the cost of an annual subscription to exec thread. So let's just say they've earned 20 points for simple math, by virtue of submitting three jobs and referring two peers to ExecThread, um, they could trade in those 20 points to get $20 off the annual subscription to ExecThread. And annual subscribers are the ones that get access to the hidden information of each of the jobs that we publish and promote, which means they find out the names of the hiring companies associated with each of these confidential jobs, the hiring managers plus their contact information, and the executive recruiters plus their contact information that are working on each of these searches. So it's a pure give to get model and it's very much built on the pay it forward ethos. Great.
And is the company um, bootstrapped or did you raise capital? The company is venture capital backed. Uh, okay. We raised a little under $5 million in a seed round a couple of years ago. We've also raised another $2 million in the convertible note on top of that. So all in, we've raised uh, around uh, maybe a, a hair under $7 million. So from mostly venture capitalists, but some angel investors as well. And what, when was the latest raise? We raised a uh, convertible note uh, around uh, eight months ago. Um, so do you think you would need to raise more at any point? Are you thinking about it? Is there a plan for a next round? Yeah, point? so right, right now there's no current plan, or I should say there's no near-term plan to raise another round. We are very, very close to profitability uh, for the first time in our company's history. And we think we can not only get the company to profitability, but we think we can sustain profitability and grow revenues, um, which will put us in a advantageous position, not only in terms of you know, enabling us to stand on our, our own two feet and not be dependent upon uh, more outside funding, but also put us in a better position to raise outside funding on favorable terms, should we decide to do so. Okay. And what's the current company team size? We're around a dozen people. We've kept it nice and small and tight. And the majority of those dozen people have been with us from the get-go. And just to put it into context, my last startup, PopStop, which was acquired by Apple uh, in a pretty successful deal for both companies, uh, never got above 15 employees either. So uh, you, you, you hire and retain and uh, attract uh, and motivate um, you know, highly skilled employees um, who are dedicated and devoted and committed and uh, highly capable and competent and you can make a lot happen. And uh, this next question. And you, and, and you also have to automate a lot too. <laughs> Sorry? You also have to automate a lot to be able to keep okay. the headcount down that low. Automation is fantastic. I mean, I don't know which sector of the business is automated, but I love that. Almost sure. everything's automated. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, this next question is more to understand or to help entrepreneurs who are listening, just getting started. They, they're launching their first company. Um, and I guess this applies to both Hopstop and ExecThread. Yeah, when you launched the company, um, how did you get your first customers? How did you get the word out there? Was it sort yeah. of like an email list and then launch or yeah. word So uh, I came up with the idea, you know, in a light bulb moment sort of way. Okay. I instantaneously knew that the idea had legs. And um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Hello? Yep, I can yeah, hear I'm you. Sorry. And my screen froze, I apologize. Um, I knew right away that the idea had legs and potential and promise. And I was tempted to actually start raising money against it right away. But instead, I decided to grassroot it and self-fund it and get to proof of concept on my own, which I did for the better part of several months, maybe even up to a year. And I did everything myself. I, uh, to answer your question, we wound up getting our first several 
users or members um, through email. Um, so my first few tools were Gmail and Google Sheets. Um, you know, my communication channel and, the, and delivery mechanism was uh, email, Gmail, and my tracking and analysis was Google Sheets. Um, and then once we had initial traction, then I hired a developer to start building kind of the early seedlings of automation behind this to make the operational portion of this uh, more uh, automated. Um, and uh, slowly but surely started adding more and more automation to the platform, both for the operators of the platform, which is ourselves, as well as the users of the platform, which are the exec web members. But it definitely started out as a labor of love, still is, definitely started out as grassroots, uh, and definitely started out as, uh, uh, you, know, um, you know, highly manual, but also leveraging uh, off the shelf software and services uh, to get it off the ground. Sure. By any chance, do you remember what your outreach looked like in the beginning? Yeah, uh, in some ways it's, it's similar still to what it looks like today, uh, but it was just a, you know, my philosophy was is, you know, uh, you know, people are more prone to open emails if it comes from an individual and if it looks like an email that an individual would send as opposed to a newsletter. So, um, and that has held true. Our open rates on our emails uh, average close to 40% and our click-through rates average close to 25% so, and have since day one. So they're highly personalized. They still come from me, uh, even though I'm not the one actually sending them, if you know what I mean, the system is. Yeah. But I still write a personalized note every single time we send an email out to our members. Email is still a primary communication and distribution channel for us. Um, and it still comes across as coming from an individual, even though it's coming from the company. Fantastic. And by any chance, are you, able, um, are you able to tell us in the beginning when you, that the first year when you bootstrapped the company, mm -hmm. um, are you able to tell us how much you put in to get it started, to get it off the ground? Yeah, so it's, range, tough, sort of. it, it, it's a tough question to answer because it was a mixture of my own cash and capital, but more importantly, my own time. <laughs> so I had a full-time job at Apple at the time. So I did this on my own time before 9 a.m. after 6 p.m. Yep. on weekends. And, you know, for several months there, I, I had two full-time jobs, if you know what I mean. And I wasn't paying myself, obviously, for the second full-time job, which was exec bread. So I don't know how you can quantify that. Um, I also paid, you know, a developer or two out of my own pocket, started paying for some of the initial software services and email uh, delivery platforms out of my own pocket. Um, so, you know, I would say it was comparable to an, uh, an initial angel investment in the company. Okay. And um, when would you say is the time for someone who is building a side project to leave their full-time job? I mean, how did that decision? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a great question, mainly because, uh, and I actually wrote about this on LinkedIn today. If you look at my LinkedIn feed and look sure. at the post I put on LinkedIn today, it talks about this very, very topic and it answers this very, very question. But I'll, I'll answer it for you verbally right now, which is first off, you don't wanna be running away from something. You wanna be running towards something. Mm -hmm. uh, two, 
you know, if you have a, a job at Apple, especially if you got to Apple through an acquisition, you know, it's, it's tough to leave that opportunity because, you know, you're, you're, you're in a good situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and it's a tough, they make it really difficult for you to leave <laughs> based on the benefits and the financial upside and, and, sure. and, and the like. Um, so that was part of my challenge, which was to incubate this long enough to make sure I had gotten enough meat on the bone and proof of concept to make sure there, that there was a there there, there was something really there. Um, because I knew once I decided to leave Apple, there was no going back. Um, sure. So I probably incurred more pain uh, for a longer duration of time than I would have otherwise if I wasn't at a company like Apple because I just wanted to make double and triple sure that there was something here. Um, and I kind of took it right to the brink of kind of, you know, combusting because it was, I was burning the midnight oil at both ends. And, but, you know, in retrospect, it was the right decision. So I was able to fulfill my obligations at Apple, which was nice, uh, while also uh, getting ExecThread to the point of being able to leave Apple and, and not skip a beat and jump right into ExecThread. So to answer your question, you know, I would say you want to establish some key metrics for yourself and, you know, measure those uh, metrics over time and make sure that it's not a, a moving target and make sure that, you know, uh, you are honest with yourself um, every step of the way. That's great. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, let's wrap up with the famous five. Mm -hmm. So number one, uh, what's your favorite business book? Yeah, so I guess I'll answer this in two ways. Um, I, you know, doing what I do every day, I, I read all day, every day. You know, it's not necessarily books, it's, you know, screens. Um, so at night, I'm kind of fatigued, but my eyes are fatigued, and I don't necessarily want to be staring at, a, you know, something again all, all the time. So I actually don't, I don't actually don't read a ton. Uh, I read more kind of sparingly and on vacation, which is few and far between, but the last business book that I read that I really enjoyed and that resonated with me was Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, it kind of symbolizes kind of my approach, which is, you know, a ton of perseverance and persistence and grit uh, will take you very far. Uh, was that grit with a G? Grit, G-R-I-T. Yeah. And it was actually given to me by one of my investors, so. Great. Very apropos. Um, Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Not necessarily kind of like from a, you know, it's not like I'm going to just put, you know, say Reid Hoffman or, you know, you know, Michael Dell or, you know, Bill Gates or anything like that. Um, but there was a, a CEO that was on my board at Hopstop who's been a successful serial entrepreneur. His name is Yaron Galai, uh, Y-A-R-O-N, capital G-A-L-A-I. He was the founder and CEO of my last of two startups ago, Quigo, which was acquired by AOL. I, was, I ran revenue for that company. And then he's most recently been the founder and CEO of Outbrain, which is a large uh, content sharing network and uh, content syndication network, uh, which was recently acquired as well. And he's someone whose opinion I highly value and respect. And you know, I view as both a, a mentor as well as a peer. Um, and uh, someone who I go to for advice sparingly because I don't want to inundate him. But uh, usually whenever I do, there's words of wisdom there. 
Um, number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business? Yeah, I saw this question before, uh, before the interview and it's a tough one to answer because there's so many great tools out there. Like we're using Stripe for our online payments platform right now and it's just so turnkey and easy and uh, you know, nothing, nothing like that existed a few years ago. We use GitHub for all of our code base. You know, we use um, Pivotal for all of our ticket tracking. Uh, we use, uh, you know, uh, Slack for all of our internal communication. Um, sorry for the background noise. Um, and you know, there's just so many great tools out there. Um, and you know, we use uh, SparkPost for our email delivery platform. You know, it's it's almost impossible for me to uh, say one is is better than the other because without any without any one of them, our business would be hurting. Um, so. I'm gonna have a tough time putting all of them down, but no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can name them for you again if you want. No, I've got them. So Stripe, GitHub, Pivotal, Slack, and SparkPost. Yeah, just to name a few. Yeah. Great. A lot of All S's right. there. <laughs> and um, number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Or what did you wish you knew when you were 20? Yeah, so I, you cut out there for a minute, but I'm pretty sure you asked me what advice would I give myself uh, as a 50-year-old now, you know, to the 21-year-old in me. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, it don't come easy. You know, it, it, there are no handouts. Um, you know, you have to work for everything you get. Again, persistence. Uh, perseverance and patience goes a long way. Um, you know, keep going at it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Um, you know, run the marathon um, and finish it and sprint through the finish line. Um, you know, in some ways, I think I knew a lot of that when I was 21, but I have greater context around it now. Um, and the other thing I would say is enjoy yourself when you're really young, which I did because, you know, uh, you have you might think you have a lot of responsibilities and pressure, but you really don't. Um, exactly. And just enjoy yourself, you know, when you're young and un unencumbered, um, because it, it gets harder to, uh, you know, uh, have that uh, sort of free style enjoyment that you have when you're, when you're young. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say is, you know, that famous saying that, uh, what is it? Youth is wasted on the young, or something like that. Um, yeah. You know, um, you know, y you do get wiser. You know, as you get as you as you start aging, and uh, things start getting, you know, in, in perspective. Then again, maybe it's not a bad idea that you don't have a lot of that wisdom when you're young, because you wouldn't have that unbridled energy and, you know, do those foolish things that you could only do and get away with when you're young. And the final question is, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? So I have four kids. They're older now. Uh, you know, eight, uh, seven, uh, I'm sorry, 11 through 17 right now, uh, soon to be uh, 12 through 18. Um, but, you know, you have four kids, uh, all five and a half years apart. You know, there's a lot of nights that you're getting up, um, you know, as a result of that, uh, you and your wife. 
And yep. my mom always used to tell me, because my mom used to have a tough time sleeping through the night. She's like, Joe, you know, wait until you're a parent. Once you start waking up all the time for your kids, it's tough to start getting good night sleeps after that. And she was right. You know, I don't think I've had a full night's sleep in years, um, wow. literally. Um, but I probably average around six hours a night. Uh, but it's not continuous sleep because as an entrepreneur and a founder and a CEO, especially of a venture-backed, you know, company, uh, you know, you're, you're thinking a lot about your business and the pressures and the opportunities and uh, the risks. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times you get some good ideas in the middle of the night and you don't know if you're going to remember them when you wake up in the morning. So you, you, know, you have a notepad next to you. Yeah, it's my phone. Um, and I sometimes get my best work done at three or four in the morning and then I go back to sleep. Um, so, you know, to answer your question, probably around six hours, but it's not continuous and it's not, you know, there's probably very little deep sleep that's happening. Sure. Um, I know I said that was the last question, but something popped into my mind. If you yeah. could go back, would you still raise capital or would you continue bootstrap? I would definitely raise the capital because it took us a few years to figure out, to figure things out. And it took us a couple of years to build a lot of enabling technologies uh, okay. and the underlying you know, pipelines and infrastructure of our business. So we needed the capital early on to hire the talent to build that. Uh, and I couldn't self-fund that myself, it was too much. Um, and, uh, and we got some really good advice early on. You know, now, you know, where the business stands now, it's actually resembling a little bit more uh, like, a, like, a, like my last startup. My last startup, we only raised a million and a half dollars and we got it to a successful acquisition. This one, we raised seven. But, you know, do I need more venture capital moving forward? I, I probably don't. Um, so, but I did need it early on. So I don't have regrets about raising it. And my investors have been very supportive along the way. Um, but, you know, will we go raise more? I think it's an open-ended question right now, but we're not, we don't need it right now. Sure. All right, Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. I know- uh, Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you froze again, sorry. <laughs> no problem. I was saying um, thank you so much for joining me today, giving us some of your time, and hopefully we can maybe do this again in a year's time to see where the company's going. That would be great. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com.